Good morning, Coaching Coaches Cup listeners. Sorry, I'm a little tongue-tied this morning. Welcome, and this morning I have another treat for you, a guest coach, Brenda Montgomery. Brenda, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Sonia, and thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my name is Brenda Montgomery. I am a life and weight loss coach. Um, another thing I do help some ladies with is a uh, pregnancy loss and stillbirth from time to time. Um, and my website is brendalifecoaching.com. I have a blog there and I have a podcast there and come on over and take a look. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I am super excited about our topic this morning. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking about reframing our thoughts. And this is something that is so useful for us at, at any point in our self-development journey. I think reframing our thoughts, it's, it's something we need to learn to do and something we need to practice mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. So tell me, why do, you, why do you teach your clients that they need to work with reframing their thoughts? Well, I, I think it's a really, as you said, it's a very powerful idea. And often, I know I used to think that I was a little bit at the mercy of life and external events and what happened and what other people said. And that always colored how I reacted and what I thought about things. And then I realized that you know, we can't control always, we can't always control what happens. And we certainly can't control what other people do. But we can always control how we think about it and how we react to the situation. And whenever I learned that I had control and I had agency over my own thoughts, my mind was blown. I'm like, what? I, I, can, I can decide what to think about this? Really? Yeah. There is no sort of um, out there objective truth in the world. Um, and that, that was just, um, that moved mountains for me in terms of my own personal development and my own confidence and my own mm -hmm. overall happiness. And um, I'll just tell you the story about how I first started thinking about this. My, uh, my ex-husband and I split up about, oh, 10 years ago now. And uh, it was relatively amicable. We had a, our daughter was nine, eight or nine at the time. And um, for various reasons, he was awarded full custody of our daughter. And it, it had to do with his, his working arrangement. He was home, he worked from home. I left the house to work and it, it, it was a good situation for her and it worked out very well. But as a mother, I, I had a very hard time with that because I thought, how can I be her mother if I'm not there to tuck her in at night? And how can I be her mother if I'm not there to nag her to brush her teeth every morning? <laughs> so that's where this idea of reframing came to me. And it's not my idea, but that's when it really became real to me. And I thought, right. I need to reframe motherhood, reframe my concept of what it is to be a mother. Mm -hmm. And a mother isn't just a person who takes care of the physical needs. There are other needs that children have. And 
you know, it's not just when you don't have custody, but people who share custody have to go through this idea as well. So it was a really transformational time for me as I worked through this idea of reframing motherhood. But you can use it to reframe any any situation that might be challenging you. Yeah, I love that because when we break it down, I don't think anybody would say that motherhood is about the physical needs, right? I mean, it is. It's it's about that, but it that is not what when you boil motherhood down to its essence, that's not what it is at all. Exactly. Exactly. And so taking that time to do that work, that's that's amazing. And I had to step back and really deliberately think about it. I asked yeah. myself, what is a mother? What does it mean to be a mother? And especially when you've got young children, you are more more involved with their physical needs. Sure. Um, So, and it was a really deliberate process. That's the other thing that, you know, life coaching has brought to me is the idea that um, thoughts aren't just, thoughts are an active thing. It's not that the thoughts just pop into your head. I mean, absolutely they do, but you can take the time and you should take the time to really sit and analyze, what am I thinking? What are my beliefs? Because there's so much below the surface. And when you get that out, you can say, is this really serving me? Is this helpful or is this causing me more trouble and heartache in my life, more consternation that doesn't have to be there? Yeah. And then you can look at, can I change the thoughts? Can I choose a new thought? Yeah, I think so many times, you know, taking this to, um, to our lives in a daily practice, we think that we set a goal and then many times we just leave it hanging out there, but we don't really think about what it means as daily practice to achieve that goal. Right. And so when we hang it out there and then when five months later, we haven't done anything with it or a week later, we haven't done anything with it, depending on the goal, we use it to beat ourselves up. Yeah, completely. And with reframing, we can really, one of the reasons to do it is because it helps you to make a plan for achieving the goal. I'm not just going to let it hang out there. I'm going to be very intentional. I'm going to plan and I'm going to figure out what thoughts are getting in my way. Exactly. Haven't I been achieving it before? And when we make a plan, we are often focused on the active things. I will get up early. I will go for a run. I will buy more fruit and vegetables. But what we don't focus on, and what I see this when I work with people in weight loss, is what they really need to be focusing on is managing their mind around it, not just the physical things you do. Because the difference between being successful or reaching your goal is really in your mind Mm -hmm. completely. And that's that's also a stunning revelation for me. (laughs) <laughs> when I when I work with people initially on weight loss, um, there's two things that hold people back, two sort of types of belief, categories of beliefs. Mm-hmm. And these are things we definitely have to reframe. The first one is the belief that your past is going to dictate your future. And people think, and they're not even aware that they're thinking this, but you know, I've tried it in the past and it didn't work. I I wasn't successful in the past. So that colors their thinking about what they can do now and their Mm -hmm. current attempt and their future attempts. 
And I think it's important, that's the first thing. What you've done in the past doesn't have any impact on your future. Yeah, we think we need that evidence. Our brains are always searching for evidence, but it's always of what we can't do, what we haven't done before. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting idea too, because what I guess I want to think about and reframe that that is that past evidence isn't as useful as current evidence. Right. You know? Yeah. And the other, the other category of belief that holds people back, and probably from any goal, an exercise goal, a career goal, a weight loss goal is what I call anticipatory discomfort. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you think, oh, it's going to be awful. I won't be able to eat my favorite food or I'm going to be hungry. And, you know, you really have to question, is that going to be true or not? Yeah. And and how do you know? Mm-hmm. You know what? What about if we just wait until we get there mm-hmm. and see? Mm-hmm. You know, because many times we work things up in our brains. I've said this before on the podcast, but I'm a person who used to catastrophize about yeah. everything. So I had to prepare for the worst case scenario just in case. And so many times, most of the time, that never happened. Yeah. So I spent all this time spinning and worrying and thinking, you know, the thoughts that weren't going to serve me. Yes. For no reason, because I couldn't have been prepared for the worst case scenario anyway. <laughs> no, no. What, what is What is the worst case scenario? I, yeah. I had a situation. I just did a podcast about fear because I was about to do something that made me a little fearful and a little bit nervous. And uh, so I went and got coaching on it. And the coach said to me, she said, well, are you going to die? And I laughed. I said, no, I'm not going to die. And she said, so what, what's the problem? What are you afraid of? And I thought, that's, that's so valuable, you know, yes. what are we afraid of? Yeah. Oh, yes. I use that one all the time. So hopefully we have done a good job convincing you that reframing your thoughts is a valuable skill to learn. It and is. you do have to learn it. You know, it's something oh, sure. um, that I work with my kids on because I, I wish I had known it when they were younger. Mm. But it's, it's something that I think we need to really teach everyone mm-hmm. um so how do you do it how do you begin this process of reframing your thoughts well i i think i think i mentioned it the idea of a thought download and really examining your thoughts the ones that are underneath you know the ones i guess that are maybe not unconscious or subconscious but that we're not aware of Mm-hmm. They're there, but we really have to, to tease them out. And I, I think you need to take the time. And I always do it with pen and paper. I suppose you could type it out on your phone or your computer, but I always do it with a pen in my hand. I always say, I can't think unless I'm holding a pen. Yes. And I make it visible. Yes. I write the words on paper. There's something really powerful about seeing it written down and just letting those thoughts pour out of you. When you actually sit and do it, it's one thing to hear people talk about it, but when you actually sit and do it, you will be surprised at what flows. Oh yeah. I have been shocked at things that, and, and I'm like you, I, I strongly recommend that people sit down with pen and paper. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's where the real power is. It's okay to type things out, but that time that it takes to translate from your brain to the paper 
really can slow down your thoughts and help mm-hmm. you capture them in ways that, that we don't even think about. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a shocking experience when I've done that several times. But you know, when we say, let your thoughts pour out, I think what many people think is going to happen is that they're going to have to devote an hour a day to doing it. Well, if I'm going to let my thoughts pour out, then I'm going to need to schedule a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long do you tell your clients to, to do it? Honestly, when people are resistant, I just say, take five minutes and I'll tell them, set a timer. Yeah. Just set a timer for five minutes and see what comes out in five minutes. Everybody can find five minutes, you know, um, I had one lady who, while she was brushing her teeth, <laughs> would do it, you know, because she, she had this thing about how long she had to brush her teeth for. So a toothbrush in one hand and a pen in the other. Well, it worked, you know. Right. That's funny. I, I am not sure I'm that talented. No, but... me neither. But I'm right-handed, so I don't, I'm not that ambidextrous. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be, uh, at a specific time every day. We all have moments where we're sitting for a Zoom call to start. If you've got three or four minutes, you're waiting for your meeting to start, grab a pen and paper and just throw some thoughts out there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to build it into, into your, your life like mm-hmm. that. Um, the second thing that we have to do once we get them out is decide what yes. we're gonna do with them. Yes. And this, I think, is so powerful because like you were talking about that agency in the beginning, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, how many times have we come home and found our partners doing something that wasn't what we had planned? You know, the other day um, I came in and I had been at work until late for a meeting and my husband, I had laid everything out for dinner. And for whatever reason, he was just sitting on the couch. He hadn't started it. And, you know, so I started to get a little huffy about that. And then I thought, I have no idea what kind of day he's had. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's happened. Why, why do I think that he should have read my mind and started dinner? Mm -hmm. Because plenty of times he does start dinner. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that he just, it never helps. Mm -hmm. So being able to, um, being able to decide what thoughts you want to keep and what you want to let go is really important too. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the big things like a divorce or custody. It is those small everyday things like, you know, you know, yelling at your kids or your husband didn't make dinner. I had a case where I made something new for dinner and uh, my husband kept saying, well, it's really chewy. It's really kind of chewy and tough. It's really, and he said it over and over again. And in the past, I probably would have, you know, my blood would boil, the blood pressure would rise and I would explode. And then I realized that, um, you know, it probably is a little bit chewy and that's okay. He's just commenting and, you know, eat it. He can choose to eat it. He can choose not to eat it. I can choose to eat it. I can choose not to eat it. It doesn't have to turn into a big battle. Right. And about, you know, and it's not really about him either. It's about me. Do I want to go? Do I want to create a conflict? Do I want to turn this into a big deal? Mm -hmm. And usually, no, it's not worth it. Well, and usually one of the things that I find valuable about examining my thoughts 
is that if I'm a little aggravated, it's not even about him. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, it's about something else, you know, that, that has happened during my day and I get home and he's an easy target. Right. So being able to reframe that. And I think after, after you practice it a while, you do start catching them. You won't in the beginning. Right. You really got to journal and decide on paper, but after a while, then you get, you can catch them. And you'll always find, especially for these little things, there's something more beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. So if I'm frustrated, am I, am I really frustrated because my husband is commenting on the texture of food? Right. Mm, probably not. So there's something um, I like. I like the five why technique. So uh-huh. when, you, when you have a thought, why am I thinking it? Now, when, this, when coaches do this with me, I get incredibly irritated by <laughs> all these questions. It irritates the heck out of me. But I think that's because it's, it's, it's digging deep. It's going beneath the surface and that's hard. But when you say, why did you choose that thought? Why do you think that thought is true? And if you do it, if you ask why five times, you will be surprised at what gets revealed. Yeah. You know? And cause it's not about the, the chewy food or the texture of the, the pizza crust. It's yeah. And sometimes you figure it out by about the third why. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great way to look at, look at your thoughts. And then when we talk about reframing, when we're doing something hard, like um, exercise or changing how we're eating, some people see that as hard and, you know, you can say, well, wait a minute. Is it, is it really a hard thing? Are you, how hard is it? Why is it hard? So you can look at it that way to say, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not hard. But the other way you can reframe it is to say, and I do this because I started running. I said it after I lost weight, I lost um, the year I turned 50. I was the heaviest I'd ever weighed. And I lost 70 pounds after I turned 50. That was five years ago. And I've kept it off. Um, So I'm really proud of myself, but I learned so much in that process. Uh, But I I started jogging after I lost, not not in order to lose weight, but after I got uh, thin, I decided I wanted to exercise. So I took up jogging. It was the only exercise I could do because I'm not coordinated and uh, (laughs) have no coordination. And it was the only exercise I didn't despise. But it gets hard. Like when you're learning, it's hard when you're starting to run and you get tired. So I, I started to look at that pain, if you want to call it pain, as something I, I embraced. And I said, it is hard. This is painful, but it's good for me. Yeah. But look at me push through it. And that's another way to reframe uh, your situation. Yeah. When you, and, and it's really helpful when you're doing something hard. So you kind of like you say, you know, pain is good, but... I'm not being that harsh, you know, right. take the lesson from it, yeah. uh, praise yourself for going through it. Look at how wonderful you are to, to push through. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, for, for those big goals, you're right. You've, there's going to be some part of it that's difficult, whether mm-hmm. it's, it's running or whether it's, you know, working on a degree, yes. whatever it is, there's going to be some part 
where it is uncomfortable. You're not growing if it's not uncomfortable. That's right. But to reframe it in such a way that look what I have done and really celebrating that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I see women many times they do something difficult like that. They push through and then they're like, well, that's just what I was supposed to do. Oh, but taking the time to celebrate that is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not going to get through life without some discomfort. You're not going to get through life without some tears, without some battles. Um, so let's not pretend that everything is, you know, rainbows and daisies, as they say, and wonderful, yeah. but we can reframe it. And, you know, like you say, congratulate ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think that we would even want it to be rainbows and daisies all the time, because then we wouldn't appreciate the rainbows and daisies. We, Absolutely. we were talking about your dog sitting in that sunny spot. Yes. Yeah. You know, if, if Canada was warm and sunny all the time, then it wouldn't be a special to find that sunny spot, right? Yeah. yeah, it's true. And I've often said that living, I love living in a place where there are distinct seasons yeah. because you get change. And yeah. It's cyclical too, but I, I love that the, the different seasons that go through because yeah. you can appreciate everything that's new. I think the the last thing that I would say about um, once you have started journaling, you've picked out thoughts that you want to reframe, you've decided how you want to think about those things now. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I would say is that you have to practice daily yeah. Is yeah. with a new thought. Yeah. People want to, they want to grab that new thought and say, okay, today I'm going to think this and then Mm -hmm. they never go back to it they expect it to stick right but they don't practice right well there's there's a couple things I think we often go from we we, we try to make uh too big of a leap so we go from what we currently believe to the rainbows and daisies thought (laughs) and it's too much like it's it's too it's too far I think you have to choose you know they talk about thought ladders you have to choose a thought that is sort of closer to what you currently believe. Right. And I, I like the analogy of shoes. I don't know if it's the, the girly girl in me, but you know when you buy a new pair of shoes and they're not comfortable the first time you wear them, right? Yeah. So then you go back to your old shoes, but then you wear them again and they're not, you know, they're still not comfortable, but you can wear them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe by the fourth or fifth time, they become your go-to shoes. Right. And they're the shoes and you throw away the other ones. And I think changing your thoughts is, is a little bit like that. I love that analogy. That's great. Because yeah. it's shoes, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, I can immediately um, relate to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it is, you know, like, I'm, I'm so serious when I say when I first learned I could choose my thoughts about something, changed my life, changed my life in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is amazing uh, uh, because your relationships get better. Mm-hmm. You, you gain a level of confidence. And, you know, I, I coach women with imposter syndrome right. and the confidence that comes from understanding that you have that agency. Mm-hmm. You've been giving it away all your life. Yeah. But now we've learned a way for you to keep that. It, it, it builds so much confidence. Yeah. And I just yeah. love to see the transformation that happens. 
Yeah. You know, I, I just, I question people. Um, I worked with a young woman who was having some um, image issues, you know, because it's hard in this, you know, Instagram day and age with, yeah. you know, Kardashians and models on Instagram. It's hard um, because young women and probably young men are always comparing themselves to something that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, but I asked her like, who says that's attractive? Like, why is that the, the beauty standard you want to, it says who? Yeah. And if we lived in a different culture, something else would be attractive. So uh, it's really important to question and choose how you think about things. And, and there is no objective reality or objective truth out there. Right. Yeah. No, those, I love those five whys. Mm-hmm. If you keep asking that you're going to get to that layer. Yes. Yeah. That's where the gold is. So we always have a call to action at the end. And I think the call to action today would be if you're not already journaling, start journaling, Yes. <laughs> but yeah. pick one thought, a small one, something that you want to start with and really practice reframing that thought. Mm-hmm. Decide mm-hmm. how to think about it. Decide what you want to think instead and then practice it daily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and what you call journaling, I call sort of a thought download. Right. And um, yeah, that's what I would say. Try it. Call it, take, take, do a thought download and just get them all out there. Yeah, and, and set that timer. If, you, yeah. if you're dreading it, set a timer for three minutes, five minutes. Yeah. You'll be shocked at how fast it goes. Yeah. And, and you'll be shocked at what you get out of that time too. Yeah. yeah. And then, as you say, take one of those thoughts. Is it serving me? Is it not? Do I like this thought? And let's see what we can do with it. Yeah. Question it, question it, question everything. Thank you so much, Brenda. I have enjoyed this. Me too. It's been a real delight, Sonia. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So once again, if, if anyone listening wants to find you on on the Brenda, it's Brenda at brendalifecoaching.com. All right. And if you are looking for me, I'm at sonyagreencoaching.com. Um, and we welcome you all to, to get in touch with us. We'd love Absolutely. to talk to you about reframing. Absolutely. Thank you, Sonia. All right. Thank Have you. Have a great day.